We are proudly supported by Yonder Coffee. You can't have a podcast that involves pastries without a coffee and pastry shop. And Yonder Coffee is that for us. Yonder is a local SoCal coffee shop in Northridge, and they have the best coffee. And I am normally a cream and sugar kind of guy, but I have been digging their just black Americanos lately, and it's been amazing. It is really, really good. And they don't just have coffee. They have other drinks as well. Um, my wife is really enjoying their lavender latte and lavender tea. It is amazing. And they make in-house pastries that are just out of this world as well. We eat them on our show. We send them to our guests. It is fantastic. You have to try Yonder Coffee. And now they have a cafe cart that will come to your events as well. Community is very important to Yonder. So invite them in and see how they can enhance your next event, wedding, ceremony, reunion, or Super Bowl party. Who knows? Anything can happen at Yonder Coffee. Visit Yonder Coffee at yondercoffee.com or Instagram at Yonder Coffee. What is up? Welcome to Pastors and Pastries. My name is Adam, your host, and I'm a pastor, and I love pastries, and I love this podcast, and guys, we did it. It is season one, episode nine, our last episode of the season. We have achieved our goal. We we did one season, but guess what? We're going to have a second season. It is coming up, so don't you worry. We're going to take the rest of January off, then start recording again, and hopefully get some new episodes to you. Season two coming this spring 2024 or early summer 2024. We'll keep you updated on our social media platforms. But before we get there, we have Pastor Tom Shedd from the Global Training Network, who is a missionary where he goes and teaches other pastors how to be pastors across the world. And he's actually out of the United States right now and doing that very same thing. So keep him in your prayers um, as he travels, as he is um, traveling back and forth, as he teaches, and as he is going through all of this uh, missionary work. Keep him in your prayers. But we had a great conversation talking about his time as a youth pastor, a worship pastor, a head pastor, and then now into missions. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation because I sure did. And it's just the tip of the iceberg with him. We are going to have him back on. It's going to be a, a great episode. So, but enjoy Pastor Tom Shedd. And guys, we will see you next season with Pastors and Pastries. Hey, you guys, now this message is for anybody. Okay, God, you got our attention. Now what? All right. Well, Tom, welcome to Pastors and Pastries. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Um, we we finally got to do this. We had to change venues. Uh, we've had a little bit of technical difficulties today, so thank you for bearing with us. But uh, we're finally, finally doing it. So. No problem. Um, well, tell us who you are, your name, and what ministry you're in. My name is uh, Tom Shedd, and I am currently with Global Training Network. This is my ninth year. I'm a missionary now. Uh, this is the third phase of my life. So I did 25 years as a music minister, 17 years as a pastor, and this is my ninth year uh, as a missionary. And it's pretty amazing since I'm only 35 years right. old. <laughs> You've been going at it since uh, since you could walk. Um, well, let's go back a little bit. I mean, you, I mean, for, you're, you're a wonderful family. You have a big family. Um, 
We do. We have Marilyn and I have been married for forty-one years. Wow. Again, don't do the math. Right. <laughs> and uh, we have four kids: two boys, two girls. All of them are in their thirties right now. And we have two grandchildren: uh, a nine-year-old boy and a seven-year-old girl. Wow. And we watched them play soccer on Saturday, and they did very well. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you, um, you said you. Start, this is your third your third phase. So your yeah. first phase. When did you get into being a pastor, and like how did that come about? Was it okay. just something you fell into, or was it a? No, no, I didn't fall into it. Um, so early on, when I was a kid, uh, I could sing really well, mm-hmm. and I knew that, and everybody else around me knew that. <laughs> I couldn't explain why. Yeah, I remember one time I was sitting, I think it was fourth grade, and we were doing an art project. And so the teacher said, I want you to draw a horse. So I drew this little stick figure horse thing, right? And the girl next to me drew the face of a horse, and it looked like a real (laughs) horse. And I said, how can you do that? And she said, how do you sing? (laughs) There you go. So, uh, you know, this was just something that uh, my parents were both pretty musical, and my grandmother, evidently, my mother's mother was very musical. Mm. So I inherited it, and I think that... uh, um, artistic gifts, in fact, do have kind of a genetic component to yeah. them. I've seen that happen. I've taught hundreds of voice students over the years, and I've seen that kind of thing happen. Well, anyway, I could uh, sing as a kid, and I sang at school, I sang at church, and then I also started to play instruments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started uh, with trombone and then switched to French horn, and I studied French horn for a long time. I was into science and math at school. Yeah. My dad uh, had been a physics major in college. I kind of wanted to, you know, follow along like that. Uh, so I was actually accepted at UCLA as a physics major, but oh. I switched uh, immediately to music because they wouldn't let me do both. So then wow. uh, I was doing music. I was a horn performance major the first two years. Then I switched to conducting and voice when I felt that my life was going to be turned toward ministry. So I knew in college, and yeah. I was really involved in my church, both in uh, youth ministry and music ministry, all throughout my childhood and adolescence, all the way up in and through college. Uh, I went to UCLA because, in part, I could commute, and there for I could still stay with my church and be oh. involved in all of those things because our music program was just spectacular and <laughs> unbelievable. And uh, I got to do a lot of very special things because of that. So yeah. so that's how I got it. I gravitated toward ministry. Uh, our minister of music, I think, um, saw my giftedness and was trying to direct me that way. Mm. And in fact, I did. So I started graduate school uh, as a church music major at USC and uh, and also started working at a church as a, a choir director. And then I also started doing junior high ministry, and I did both Man. of those for a couple of years. Yeah. And then I went to seminary. And I went to seminary not to become a pastor. I just wanted to be the best minister of music hmm. that I could possibly be. And I noticed that, you know, I had the musical training, yeah. but I didn't have all the theology and stuff that the other pastors on staff did. Yeah. And I thought, well, I... I I don't want to feel, you know, second class. I want to have the same tools. Right. And so I did a Master of Divinity and did the languages and the whole deal. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I was ordained uh but continued to do music ministry and uh, like I said then some friends later on asked if we wanted to start a church and so yeah. we did and then I got to be the 
preaching pastor. Head pastor there. Yeah. So let's go back real quick. Yeah. So you, so let's go way back. Your family was yeah. very religious. Was that your, well? My mom, your was mom was a strong believer. Sang in the choir and uh, was in Bible studies and yeah. everything. My dad, no. My dad really. Uh, he never really went to church, and he gotcha. he was. Uh, he would probably have described himself as an agnostic. Okay. Yeah. But he really didn't like to talk about spiritual things. And really? He would come to our performances, but uh, that was about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, a, you know, supporting parent, yeah. Makes oh, sense. he was very loving, yeah. very supporting, yeah. but he just didn't want to go to church. Didn't want the religious part yeah. of it. How was that? I mean, so as a kid, you said you were involved in, in the choir and music yeah. from a young age. Being excited about that and being excited about being at church yeah. and then not having your dad... You know, it was join tough. you in that. Yeah, it was tough because uh, we we kind of walked a tightrope mm. at home. Yeah, uh, mom, as I said, was a strong believer, and so we would have all of these you know discussions about spiritual things. Yeah, but uh, not if dad was around. Mm. You had to, you just had to. He would just kind of glaze over. Now again, he loved us. There's no question yeah. about that, and he was very supportive. He came to all of our sporting events mm-hmm. and all of our musical concerts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, just. Because of his own life experiences, what he grew up in, uh, his experiences during World War II, I think that greatly impacted how he saw things. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 That's sad. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, let, can you different, differentiate the difference between a minister in music and then a like a worship pastor? Or is yeah. it the same thing? Uh, well, it, it is more so today okay. than it used to be for this reason. Uh, our worship models have changed radically. Now, this is my area of specialization. Yeah. So um, uh, I could go a long while on that, <laughs> and I won't. But but understand that uh, with the development of the worship team model, mm-hmm. uh, worship in the church has radically changed from the way that it was in like the first half of the twentieth century. Yeah. And so uh, as popular music changed and rock became the norm and the instrumentation of a rock band became uh, uh, canonized. That is, you always had uh, a drum set, a bass player, an electric guitar, a lead singer at a minimum, and then you may have a keyboard, you may have backup singers. Well, uh, people growing up with that music in their ears wanted to have that music in the church. And it created what we used to call the worship wars. And we used to have these debates in churches between uh, traditional music and contemporary music. Yeah. And some churches still have that. And uh, so anyway, the, the, the model changed radically. So today, when you talk about a minister of music, mm-hmm. uh, generally you're talking about someone or a, a worship pastor who has had a theological training right. and probably a musical training as well. Whereas a worship leader today is basically just the lead singer of the band. Gotcha. They don't necessarily have to know anything theologically, nor do they have to know anything musically. Yeah. They have to be able to sing well and have a real charisma in terms of interacting with people. And leading in the worship. And that's yeah. really all it is. And yet now today we call that person the worship leader as though they have all of this training and education. And yeah. in my experience, actually very few of them do. Most of them depend musically on one of the other players, either usually the keyboard player or one of the guitar players. And then uh, theologically, 
who knows? <laughs> I mean, that that comes from any of the pastoral leadership in the church. Yeah. But uh, or maybe you have somebody in the band, you know, who is spiritually uh, more mature and knowledgeable, and yeah. you know, but uh, not necessarily so. It's hmm. so it's a very very different model. And what what I wanted to do in in my growing up was to have both to have the really solid musical education and the really solid theological education. Yeah, yeah. But that's uh, that's more rare today, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's so interesting. Uh, did you during that transition? Um, do you, do you think so? The traditional music is more like keyboard or organ, maybe an acoustic guitar, and that's about it, right? Well, no, you have choirs. Right, churches okay. that have choirs, uh, and if they have an organ, they may have a pipe organ. Mm-hmm. The church that we are attending is a Presbyterian church, and one of the reasons we like the church so much is because they have both. Okay. They've got a really good worship team, and they've got a choir and a pipe organ and, yeah. and handbells, and they do a, quite, uh, you know, a, a wide variety of things in their worship service. I personally like that. Yeah. I wish that our church let the music go longer. <laughs> sure. Well, of course. You, yeah, exactly <laughs> Your history right. and your background. But yeah. we also like the preaching, so that's why we attend the church. I'm yeah. not a Presbyterian, and to be blunt, I don't want to be a Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything against Presbyterians. Yeah. But I do know historically and theologically that I, I don't have a particular connection with right. that. Yeah. And so I don't feel that I have a need to be a Presbyterian. Yeah. So we attend the church. We've been there about seven years now. And uh, we we just love the the fellowship yeah. and the music. And Which, the, I mean, that's how it should be, I think. Right. I mean, if you love the church, you love the pastor, and they're yeah. not preaching anything. So we're out of the, essentially members, yeah. even though we're not members. Yeah, yeah. I, I They're I, okay with that. My whole thing, I don't like denominations yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, I know. just tell them I'm a Baptist, and that they're, does it. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, all right, just walk in. Just, That's right. Just, yeah. Um, so, okay, so you got to sing with the certain sounds in college. I did. Now, was this pre or post you realizing that you're going to go into ministry? Um, uh, well, you know? I sang with them for four years. So they uh, during that time is when that transition was happening. But, gotcha, okay. but when I made the transition from math science to music, uh, that was also... You know, I could tell I was kind of leaning toward going into ministry. Yeah. Uh, actually, my undergrad degree is in music education, so I could have gone into that, but that's not really where my heart was. Right. And I, I had grown up in such an amazing music program at my church that I wanted to replicate that mm-hmm. in other places. Yeah. So, and so those of you that don't know that are listening, the Certain Sounds was a choir that was comprised of. I mean, how large was? Yeah. The, let me. Let me. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. To describe how that process went. So um, there was a college career choir at the church that had about 120 voices. And in fact, every Christmas, they would do a big, huge program called the Living Christmas Tree. And it really literally was a giant Christmas tree constructed inside the sanctuary, 75 feet high. And the entire choir would go up into this living Christmas tree uh, to do a Christmas concerts. And wow. we would do like 15 to 20 presentations every year, and the sanctuary would seat about 2,000 people. So it was Dang. a big, big deal. Yeah. Well, out of that choir, they auditioned uh, 12 vocalists to be in this special group. And then there was a band also, usually 
actually a pretty big band because it was not only the rhythm section, but it was also horns. Okay. So we had trumpets and trombones and saxophones. And uh, the idea behind the group was for it to be music evangelism, yeah. such that we would go out every summer, for instance, and uh, to visit missionaries in some part of the world and bring music evangelism. So we would do a program that would be, oh, probably half secular songs, you know, that are off on the radio by popular groups and yeah. artists and uh, arranged for our group. And then it was completely choreographed. And I mean, it was a really, really big deal. And then we would switch and give our testimonies and and present the gospel and encourage people to make decisions of faith. That's amazing. So um, it really was. And I got to be in it for four years. Yeah. So all four years that I was in college, I was in this group. And so my first year, uh, they told us we were going to go to Calgary, Canada for the Stampede. And then uh, our director, John Gustafson, came in one night and said, I got bad news for you. We're not going to be able to go to Canada. Yeah, instead, we're going to have to go to Hawaii. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we all went, oh, no, suffering for Jesus. How are we going to handle right. this? So we did. We were six wow. weeks in Hawaii and uh, doing concerts with churches and military bases. We were actually uh, guests of the the military chaplaincy, and we did a lot of concerts at Fort DeRussi on Waikiki Beach. Wow. And we would go down the beach and invite people to come to our concerts, and uh, uh, it was a and that's your first year? Yeah. That was my first year. My second year, we went to Korea okay. and Japan and back to Hawaii. Wow. My third year, we went to England. My fourth year, we went to Sweden and back to England. And this is all as a college student. Yeah. So were you thinking like, this is life? Like, I just want to always do this. <laughs> I get to travel, well, I get to see. Yes. And actually what I was hoping is that I would then be able to do that in the churches where I work. As a career. Yeah. yeah that I would be able to develop that. Yeah. And in one of the churches, we we came close. We developed the choir. We developed the group, the small group out of it. Mm -hmm. We called it Mirror Image, and we did concerts locally. And I tried to, to get a concert uh, in the uh, uh, South Pacific, and we almost made it. Mm. But uh, the night that we were proposing it, the um, uh, some of the missionaries in the Philippines said, we can't have you come because of the terrorist threat right oh, now. No, yeah. yeah, so that kind of axed it. But, wow. but it was fun. It, but we had the same kind of a group and, yeah. you know, 12 singers and choreography and the whole deal. So sure, it was really yeah. fun. So, okay, so you go through college. You're living this yeah. rock star life while you're going through college. <laughs> yeah. uh, then you decide you're going to go to seminary. And you were... Uh, well, uh, first I worked at the church. Okay, so you so, worked first. Yeah. yeah, I did. So when I started grad school, then I also started uh, at a church. And I worked, like I said, in both music and youth. And I did that for a number of years yeah. before then deciding th uh, that I needed to go to seminary. So yeah, yeah. that came a few years later. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So you you were working in, in the church without yeah. without the seminary um, and doing youth as well, which, you know, yeah. uh, is a tough job in itself to do that and both, music. I both can't of imagine. them were very time intensive, yeah. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and you were married at this point, right? No, no, Not no, no, no. I was single. I'm getting so, oh, well, and then up. the story with Mary Lou. I'll, I'll shorten <laughs> the story because it's a long story. I... I knew her family before I knew her. Gotcha. Her father was um, the elder in charge of the worship uh, ministry, and uh, he and I used to play golf every Monday morning oh, together. Wow. And then her mother was a preschool teacher and was my secretary for a while. <laughs> and then um, 
uh, I started to notice uh, their daughter. <laughs> and she was in our high school college choir. And so then, uh, make a long story short, we dated for about five years. I went off to seminary and uh, for the last two of those five years. Gotcha. And then we got married when she graduated from UCLA, and I still had one more year of seminary. And wow. So that's that's how we got started. But. Man, so you were, do, you were a long-distance relationship, seminary, yeah. Yeah. planning a wedding, yeah, that's that's tough to to do all that at one you know one well time. yeah plus I was delivering singing telegrams oh my gosh <laughs> were you dressed up so as well <laughs> I was it was a touch of the opera so I yes. had to wear a tuxedo with a top hat yes. and tails and I would drive around the city and I would oftentimes have to deliver these balloon bouquets and uh, I just walk into restaurants or bars or whatever yeah. and I would just start singing these things and you know a happy birthday or anniversary or whatever. And so I did that, uh, you know, just to make some money while I was in seminary. And then I also worked in a church on the coast. I went to seminary in Portland, Oregon at Western. And then I worked in a little Baptist church in Seaside, Oregon. So I had to drive every weekend over the mountains to get there. So yeah, it was it was pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, I would say. So, okay, so then you transition from, um, you, you become a, a head pastor. You... No, so what happened is after seminary, uh, I got a job in a big church as a full-time minister of music. Right, yes, right. yes, yes. And so I did that for uh, six years in that church, then four years in another church, and and three years in another church. And then at, at that time, uh, some friends said, do you want to start a church? And okay. so that's how I became the senior pastor. Gotcha. And, and the reason that that was so attractive to me was because I said, wait a minute, can I do both? Can I preach mm. and lead the worship? And they said, sure, why not? Yeah. And I said, oh, fabulous. Because then I get to marry the two. Yeah. And so in terms of, for all these years, I've been planning worship services, but always having to work with the pastor. Right. And sometimes that's easy and sometimes it's not so easy, <laughs> especially when you plan out the whole service based upon what he's going to preach. And then Friday he comes to you and say, uh, uh, Tom, actually I decided uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to preach something else this Sunday and uh-huh. I'll wait one more week. Well, you can't wait one more week. I've got the whole service planned around yeah. that that theme for the service. Oh, man. Anyway. Did you so, ever have a pastor come up and be like, hey, by the way, can you do this song instead? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we absolutely. get that. Oh, we get sure, that at our church, sure. yeah. Uh, yeah, you get, get all that. But you have, I mean, those are the things that you have to work with. If you're in a church with a large staff, for instance, mm-hmm. at this uh, church in uh, Cupertino, Northern California, um, which is Apple World Headquarters. So, oh, okay, yeah. yes. So uh, it was a big church, and we had a big, big program. Um, you you have to learn how to work with all the other pastors. We had nine uh, wow. full-time pastors on staff. And so everybody has their own vested interest. Yeah. And so... It, you know, your your students only have so much time, mm-hmm. and you have to work together with the other staff uh, in order to make all the scheduling work. And, and you know, when you're talking about a lot of rehearsals, and yeah. plus then they've got all their school stuff and all their sports and yeah. all of their arts at school and all of that. So you have to learn how to work with people. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So during those times, those years, 
nine years, right, as a music minister before you became a head pastor? 25. 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> so there's 25 years. Uh, during the time, were you ever like, oh, you know what, if, I, if this was my church or I think I want to run my own church one day or well, before it was presented sure. to you, did you have those thoughts or well, those I never aspirations? Really, I never really thought of myself uh, as a, a senior pastor of a mm-hmm. church because that wasn't my my orientation or my training or anything yeah. like that. Uh, but yeah, sure. Uh, you, you think about how you want to do things. And right. I, I remember one a particular example of that was uh, this church, the same church, the big church in, uh, in Northern California. We decided uh, that we wanted to try doing worship team on Sunday night. I'd been to a conference uh, and I was all geared up to do it, and yeah. I knew we could. We had the people, we had the musicians to make it happen. But we, we, at that time, our Sunday evening service was more like a hymn sing, mm. and we had piano and organ and like that. So it was yeah. really pretty old fashioned. Good, good players and everything, but just a real old style. So we decided to do that. We got permission. There were nine of us on. I, as I told you, nine pastors. And uh, so we did it for 13 weeks, one quarter on Sunday nights. And I thought it was fabulous. I mean, we worked really hard to to do things. We had not only the basic uh, instrumentation of the band, but we had horns. uh, So we had trumpet, trombone, sax, and you have to arrange all of that. It's a lot of work uh, and rehearse it and everything. But we did, and it was really good. So at the end of those 13 weeks, we had a staff meeting. And and the senior pastor said, well, we need to talk about what we're going to do on Sunday nights from here on out. And uh, so I so somebody said, well, let's take a vote. And they said, okay. So the vote was eight to one that we should continue with the worship team on oh, wow. Sunday night. Was the head pastor the one? Well, or how would you, you guess? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> wow. Well, his wife was the organist. Okay. And I think that, you know, I mean, she wanted to play and yeah. she wasn't on the worship team. So, uh, uh, yeah. And maybe in retrospect, I should have put her on the worship team, <laughs> but uh, her style, it, it, it would have been difficult. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so all that to say, uh, yeah, it, you think, well, how would I do it, you know, if right, I had yeah. the opportunity? And today, you know, I still do that when I go into churches because the ministry that I have now um, is international, and I get to do a lot of evaluation, critique, encouragement, and then make suggestions for worship teams all yeah. over the world as to you know how they might make things better, do things differently, like that. So, yeah, yeah. So I get to kind of draw on all of those experiences and what I'm doing now. Yeah, I feel like we'll, we'll get there. Uh, I feel like your experience though has led you to yeah. exactly yeah. To, to be what you are exactly doing now. Right. But going back, to, what advice would you give to people that are transitioning from either like an associate pastor job or a, a worship pastor, a youth pastor that's now ahead of a church? You you had that transition. Was there things yeah. that you were like, oh man, Actually, that that wasn't a bad idea, you know. <laughs> From this perspective, well, it's uh, it's of course you're in a, a completely different relationship with your church, yeah. where they see you differently, and you're in the position of leadership where you are uh, guiding the leaders of the church, and that is a different uh, thing. You have to be pretty careful to to balance 
uh, serving and leading. Hmm. You have to do both. And uh, sometimes it's difficult to do both, but yeah. you really do have to do both. So someone who is transitioning into that has to be aware of that dynamic. Mm. They've got to uh, to know that they can't be bossy. They have to serve their shepherds. Yeah. But at the same time, they also have to lead as shepherds. Yeah. And uh, shepherding is uh, is just just such an important skill. One of the curricula that I lead now is called Timothy Leadership Training. There are six courses, and the first course is called Caring for God's People, and it's all about shepherding. Mm. So that concept is something that you have to learn, you have to work at, but going into it, you need to know that you're going to you're going to be required to do that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good advice. So now going into what you do now yeah. is kind of full circle. As a college student, you were traveling around singing and evangelizing. Now, as a as a yeah. on the other end of it, right? Uh, right. Well, and I think that that actually prepared me really yeah, well because I got such a taste for it while I was in college. This yeah. idea of going uh, to other countries. And, uh, you know, doing ministry, uh, I think that probably laid the groundwork for yeah. what I'm doing now. So um, in 2014, it became obvious that our ministry was going to switch. And I, one night in the middle of the night, I went out to our back room and I lifted up my hands to the Lord and I said, Lord, where in the world can I be most effective? Because hmm. I knew I had education, I had experience, I had giftedness. And I honestly said, God, some place really needs me. Yeah. I don't know where that is. <laughs> Put me in that place where where I can be most effective. So I got connected with Global Training Network, and so that's what I do now. I go yeah. to different places around the world and try to train pastors and church leaders uh, in a variety of of different things. That's amazing. So, you're kind of, is it almost like bringing seminary to people well, that's that exactly can't go away? Is. Yeah. So the the um, the motto of the organization is to essentially bring. Uh, training to pastors and church leaders, particularly in the majority world. That is the part of the world where most people live. Mm. So uh, in so many places, men and women just don't have access to formal training. Uh, it's not around them, or even if it was, they wouldn't be able to afford it. Yeah. And so I work both in big cities and in rural areas, and uh, the people are just starving for for training. Yeah. And so our organization, and there are many organizations that do what we do, but our organization is to do exactly as you were saying, to try to bring that training that we were able to have, mm -hmm. to, to bring it to them in their own area. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And uh, you travel a lot for this position. Uh, most do. missionaries uh, don't get the opportunity to come back home well, yeah. regularly so, so like there's, you do. But... There are two models yeah. of missions today. And one is uh, the mission where you go live in one place for a long time and develop, you know, relationships with those people. Right. But the other model is is the one that I'm doing where you go for a short period of time and do a training and therefore you go to many different places. So yeah. for instance, this year I did four trips of four weeks each. So that's 16 weeks. Yeah. That's a third of the year. And that doesn't sound maybe like much, but but if I put it this way, <laughs> it will. <laughs> I spend about 120 nights a year in a hotel room. Wow. 
Okay, then it go. Oh yeah, that is a long time. Yeah, and so my wife and I have agreed that that's the best use of resources because it takes so long to get to places and yeah. it's expensive. Like from Los Angeles to Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, you know, you have to fly L.A. to Atlanta, Atlanta to to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Dar es Salaam, wow. and you've got some real long airplane flights, and they're not cheap. So to be most efficient, I feel like it takes about a week of travel, just getting back and forth. Wow. And then I want to maximize the time I'm there, so I need to be there about three weeks doing training, and, and so that's why we have a four-week trip. Yeah. So I do four of those a year. This year, I did three to Africa and one to Brazil. Uh, in the past, I've done two to Africa, one to Asia, and one to Brazil. But this wow. year, three to Africa. And next year, probably also three to Africa and one to Brazil. Wow. Yeah. How does that I mean? The mindset to go from regular every week you're in an office or at a church, right? Yeah. And you are you have a sermon every Sunday or you have a, yeah. a set list every Sunday to now, <clears throat> you have this curriculum that... Yeah. You've you've mastered and that you're teaching to people, and but you're going out, you know, so much more for longer periods of time. And right. I had to learn to do that. So yeah. when I joined Global Training Network, I had no idea how to do it yeah. <laughs> at all. I had no experience. Uh, nobody told me really what was going to happen. I just, I got connected and they wanted us. And yeah. so we, you know, we interviewed, they accepted us on staff and, um, so I went with uh, one guy on three trips to Brazil to, to just learn what he does. And then I went with another uh, staff member to the Philippines, and I saw him doing Timothy leadership training, and I thought, oh, okay, I can do this. And, and uh, so I got my certificate to be able to do that. Yeah. And then I wrote two curricula. Yeah. Uh, so each of the curricula are six courses long. Each course is 15 to 18 hours. Uh, so that's it, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm doing uh, Timothy leadership training, which is a general pastoral kind of training, very mm -hmm. practical, uh, very non-denominational, but very evangelical uh, in orientation. And then uh, music and worship arts training, because that's my area of specialization. Yeah. So that's also a six-course curriculum. We just finished course number six in Brazil a couple of weeks ago. And then uh, the third one is called Understanding the Bible, and it's essentially a Bible survey course, where course one are the history books, Genesis through Esther. Course two are the poetic books, three, the prophets, Four is Gospels and Acts, five Pauline letters, six non-Pauline letters and Revelation. So um, uh, so I wrote those two curricula. I didn't write Timothy Leadership Training, but mm -hmm. uh, it just grows. So this is my ninth year. The first time I traveled by myself, I went to one city and came home. Wow. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, first time I'd ever been to Africa, and yeah. I went to Tanzania, and it was a Shock! It was like a slap in the face <laughs> because sure. the the poverty the they have nothing. Some of these people, I mean, they have nothing, and it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. So, uh, but you get used to it. You get used to all the differences between the cultures there and the culture here yeah. in the in the United States because they are radically different. For instance. Um, we were talking earlier today about uh, churches, and I said, well, some of them have electricity, yeah. and that's literally true. Yeah, um, A lot of the churches where I'm 
at they they don't have any electricity. And one church I think you shared with me one time was that one, they had like a half of a roof or oh yeah, some of them may have four <laughs> well, walls. You yeah, know? they there was one church where we were doing a training that had been impacted by one of the local wars mm. in Uganda. And the back wall of the church had been blown out. Wow. And so there wasn't one. But actually, the view out the back was absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> the trees and the sky and the clouds. And yeah. I even took a picture of it and used it as a Christmas card one year. Wow. Because it was just so beautiful. And then you've got all of these pastors. We had a big group, 60 pastors uh, assembled in this run-down building yeah. and uh, yeah, and no no power in that building at all. Wow. Which means no air conditioning, no yeah. lights. <laughs> and people are still, I mean, are those are those churches pretty much packed whenever they have services? Or is, what's the church yeah. culture there? Oh, the churches are so alive. Yeah. And uh and they're fun. They 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 incorporate dance into their worship. And so it's really free. Wow. People are moving around all the, over the place and it I mean, my Presbyterian church <laughs> doesn't do that. <laughs> I feel like a Pentecostal church now, yeah. Yeah, I do. I work with Pentecostal churches in some places, Baptist churches. I'm working with Brethren churches in Burundi. Uh, so I'm, I go in Africa primarily to the countries around Lake Victoria. Okay. So if you, in your mind, imagine what Africa looks like, okay? And if you go uh, halfway down... Uh, which is where the equator is. That's where Lake Victoria is. Lake Victoria is the second largest lake in the world by surface area. Oh, wow. It's really huge. And so the countries around it are uh, like uh, uh, counterclockwise, Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi, uh, Malawi, Zambia, and then I also just started working in Mozambique. So those are the countries in Africa, wow. Central and West Af uh, and East Africa. I've I've never been to West Africa oh, okay. or North Africa. Yeah, yeah. So yes, and Africa's huge. Yeah. Most people don't know how big Africa is. Africa will contain the entire United States, China, India, and Europe. No way. Yeah. That's how big Africa is. Wow. So and because of that, I do an awful lot of flying. Yeah. Because you can't. I mean, to get They're from one place to yeah. yeah. So I, I do a lot of flying when I'm in Africa. Man. And that's partly why it's so expensive. Yeah. So I have uh, uh, a budget, and all of my expenses, salary and, and travel, are financed by people giving, uh, and mostly individuals. We have a couple of churches, but not very many, and uh, but mostly just individual people who say, you know, I can't go. Yeah. But I believe in what you're doing, and I want to be a part of it. And yeah. and so they're essentially investing in the kingdom through you. And at first, it felt like begging, you know, and it's yeah. very uncomfortable. Oh yeah, gosh, yeah. you ask people for money. But now, I, the mindset is for me is a lot different. Where I'm, I'm looking for people who want to partner with us, and they want to to give because they really want to do it. They say, "Oh man." I think what this is is so great. I I got to be a part of this. Yeah. And so the Lord has been providing for us. We need a little bit more for next year because of inflation. You know, it's hitting sure. everything. Yeah. So uh, we've asked the Lord for a little increase for the the next year. But so far we've been doing okay. Do you ever miss writing a sermon every week? Well, actually, I preach more when I travel. 
No way, really? Oh, yeah, because, like, for instance, on the last trip, I've preached, what, five out of the last seven Sundays? Oh, okay. Because I preached four times in Brazil, and then last weekend I was up in the Seattle area Mm -hmm. and uh, got to preach up there as well. So actually, I preach more when I'm traveling than I do when I'm home. Wow. Yeah. And That's great. One of the nice things, though, I got to admit, and maybe this is cheating... Lord, forgive me for my sin, but it's possible to do the same sermon in more uh-huh. than one location. Yeah, yeah. And and to be honest with you, that's really cool because you become more comfortable with it, right? And it becomes more second nature. And yeah. so, uh, like for instance, last Sunday morning when I was uh, up in Washington, I didn't need to use any notes. Yeah, because I I had the the message; it was right there it's yeah. at my fingertips, and that allows you then to maintain that. That eye contact, you know, when you're performing uh, music as a soloist, you want to try to make eye contact with the people that you're singing to. You connect with them. Yes, yeah. because you want to get that connection. Yeah. And you look all over the room and making eye contact. At least that's what I like to do. Yeah. And so the same thing is true in preaching, where you you're looking to to speak to people and mm-hmm. to to get them with you in in the thinking and you know the logic of the passage the arguments of the passage not arguing in in an angry sense but arguing yeah. like in a court of law where a lawyer will present arguments right yeah. so when you're preaching you're trying to change people's minds and you're you're interested more in transformation than you are in information. Mm-hmm. You have to give them information. Your teaching has to be sound. But, that's not the but it's that's not the objective. Yeah. The objective is to touch the heart as well and then to to make it work out in what they do with their hands that to put it into action. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's like you know, acting though. You know, yeah. doing a play. Right. But last night, you're you could be doing a million things backstage. You're like, oh, you're on, and you, you snap right That's into right, it. Right. You know? The only only thing about acting is that you can't cross the curtain. That's true. You know, you <laughs> yeah. can't have that you eye contact that fourth with, wall. Yeah. That's right with, yeah. with the audience. But when you're preaching, boy, you really do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's you know, camp preachers, preachers that go to you know uh, retreats and camps, mm-hmm. and that's you know mostly what their ministry does yeah. is 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 doing that. It's the same same sermons on rotation, depending on what the yeah. theme is. Yeah, and um, see, there's there's an advantage to that. Yeah. So. Uh, some people say, "Well, it's cheating." Well, no. yeah, maybe it is, but I think you, I mean the whole. You get to <clears throat> let the Holy Spirit work through you more too, because you're not relying on your notes, or you're not thinking about, "Oh, what was right. the next point?" You already know it, so you're right. able to whatever comes up naturally. You're able to go with it, and you can be sensitive if you feel like you know you need to bunny trail a little bit sure. if you've got yeah. the time. Now, one of the things that's a little more difficult in preaching overseas is that you have translators. Oh, and yeah. so you have to learn how to do that. Yeah. And the quality of the translator makes a big difference mm-hmm. into what you can do, uh, the freedom that you have. Yeah. Really, you have to develop a rhythm with your translator. Yes. And I've worked with enough now. And because I go to the same places, uh, I, I can work with the same people. That's nice. And you develop that rhythm yeah. and that timing. Plus, it is impossible 
to tell a joke with a translator. Oh, sure. It is they, because... They just don't translate yeah, well Well, and, you know? and if your humor is kind of like dry, mine yeah. is more dry, sarcastic, and so I'll just say something absurd with a straight face, sure. right? And the translator, if he's not very good, he or she, you know, they'll look and they'll go, what? <laughs> and it blows the timing. You can't do yeah. it. But if your translator is cued in, they can just go right with you, you yeah. know? It's like the age thing, you know? I always do the age joke thing, and, you know... Um, you know, we've been married for 41 years and I'm only 45 years old. Right? Yeah, yeah. You say it with a straight face. Well, as long as the translator doesn't go, what did you say? Yeah. <laughs> if they just do the same thing right with you and they're they're in tune with you, catches. then everybody usually laughs yeah. and jokes around. And That's a real skill. We At our church, we have a Spanish, a combined service with our Spanish okay. ministry. And um, I do announcements for our church or take the offering yeah. and tithe. And when we have a translator there, we, you know, yeah. it's, it's very hard and I am not good at it at all. <laughs> yeah, like I said, you have to, you have to develop that, that rhythm and yeah. to know how much you say before they translate. Right. Uh, because you don't want to go too long. Right. Uh, nor do you want to go too short. You just have to get this, like I said, this rhythm. Nice rhythm. Yeah. Going. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that's amazing. I, we could talk forever. I mean, I, I'm going to have to have you back and we can do a whole other episode. But I'd all right with me. If you weren't doing ministry, yeah. what would you have done? Like, I mean, you've been doing ministry for your entire adult life. Yeah. Uh, well, I probably would have done music. Yeah. So uh, in some form or another. I don't know that I would have been music education, although I certainly could have gone that route. Uh, that is direct choirs and high schools and, yeah. you know, bands and orchestras and stuff like that. Um or be a performing artist. I actually was uh, a French horn major when I started my yeah, first two yeah. years. So maybe I would have continued to do that and played the horn professionally or done some other things. I, I I can write music and you know arrange and conduct and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I wow. have a really good musical education. So I I could have done that sort of thing or maybe continued to perform. Yeah. But uh, but I tell you for for my life. Uh, there was just no question as to what was important hmm. for me. I I felt like I needed to do the most important thing, and that was kingdom work. Now, not everybody will say that. And sure. we need plumbers. We need people yeah. who know how to fix cars, all that stuff. Yeah. But for me, uh, it was that I wanted to be involved in that kind of kingdom work. So that, I've asked a few other pastors this, and we've talked about it on the other episodes, but do you think, and some pastors will say, when I retire, I'm retiring, done with ministry, and yeah. then I'll do something else. And some pastors are like, I'm never retiring <laughs> from kingdom work. You're always yeah. doing kingdom work, you know? How do you, I mean, do you think once you retire from full-time missionary work, are yeah. you going to go back to a, a small church or perform oh, or... Who knows? Uh, at this point, I think he health is... Yeah. is going to be a determining factor. And also, uh, when my wife retires, she works mm -hmm. in a law office, and she does uh, accounting stuff. Uh, and she is scheduled to retire, I think, in four years. So okay. we'll address that right. uh, when that time comes. <laughs> She's like, when I'm done, you're done. <laughs> well, maybe. We, I don't know. Or she'll travel with me. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, maybe I won't take quite as many trips, or maybe we'll be gone longer. I know because one couple at Global Training Network... They go for six months at a time. Wow. <laughs> they just, they just but they're together. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just their life. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And then, so uh, I asked all the pastors this. Yeah. If you could sum up Christianity yeah. in one sentence, what would it be? 
for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's a good uh, one. That is, as Martin Luther said, the gospel in a nutshell. Hmm. And, and you go to any church and you ask them, what is the most well-known verse in the Bible? They'll all say John 3.16. And then you ask them to recite it, they all can do it. Yeah. Everybody knows John 3.16, and the reason that everybody knows it is because it is exactly that, the gospel in a nutshell. Mm, that's good. Well, thank you so much, Tom. I really do appreciate you coming on, and and sorry again for all the mishaps we had today. But um, uh, like I said, you're gonna be you're gonna be a repeat offender here. Oh, I hope we'll so. have you back. I um, love it. Uh, this would be a great time. Where can we go to support you, to donate, or to follow you um, in your journey? I appreciate your asking. A couple of things. I do a monthly newsletter. If anybody would like. Uh, uh, to receive that, it's a you know it's an electronic, it's an email, uh, it's free. Uh, just send a note to Tom S at gtn dot org, T O M S at gtn dot org, and uh, let me know that you want to be on the email list. I'll be happy to add you. All I need is an email address. I do have a, a website called revtomshed.com. And that's two D's in shed. So R-E-V-T-O-M-S-H-E-D-D dot com. I also have a couple of Facebook pages. One of them is Rev Tom Shed at Facebook. <laughs> so those are probably the best places. And then uh, the Global Training Network website, okay. uh, which I think now is just www.gtn.org. Uh, you used to have to spell out the whole thing. I don't think you have to do that anymore. <laughs> and then go down to where it talks about staff, and uh, you'll see there alphabetically that uh, Mary Lou and I are listed. Click on it, and it'll take you. And on that page, as you scroll down, there are instructions for different ways of giving. Okay. And so people have choices as to how they can do that. Great. And, and we'll put all this in our show notes, too. We'll put links to all that fabulous. so our viewers can go. Uh, and and click on those as well. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, of yeah. course. That's awesome. I mean, thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate yeah. you. My pleasure. All right, thanks. Pastors and Pastries is hosted by Adam Tucker, proudly produced by Paved Path Productions. We want to give a huge special thanks to Kelsey Egan and Gracie Shedd, executive produced by Adam Tucker, producer and sound engineer Haley Tucker, theme song by Brandon Liu and Lou's Music, sound mixing by Brandon Liu, Thank you for listening to Pastors and Pastries. You can check out all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts released every Friday. Follow us on social media at Pastors and Pastries, all spelled out. And until next time, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.